This is Emma Delaney, and I'm going to be doing my podcast on the case of Michelle Carter. So what got Miss Carter in trouble was her involvement in her boyfriend's suicide. So what happens is her boyfriend, Conrad Roy Thirteenth. Oh, wow, that is not correct. Conrad Roy Third. Let me just, yeah, okay, I got that right. So he's in Fairhaven, Massachusetts. He pulls into a Kmart parking lot in his truck, and he tries to commit suicide by carbon monoxide poisoning. At one point, he steps out of the truck to try and stop the attempt. He calls Michelle. She tells him, get back in. He does. He dies. The end. But, like, not the end, because she gets tried in court to see, like, what legal responsibility she has for his death. A little background on our key players. Conrad Roy III graduated high school with a 3.88 GPA. So if you believe that GPA has anything to do with intelligence, he was a pretty smart kid. He was also accepted into university, but decided not to go, just to stay home. He was also an athlete. He played baseball, he ran track, and uh, he did also have a history of mental health issues. So he was on uh, an experimental antidepressant. I think it was Lexa. And he had attempted suicide previously, like prior to his relationship with Michelle. As for Michelle, she also had an extensive history with mental health issues. She had developed eating disorders by the age of eight or nine, and she was on prescription psychiatric medication by the age of 14. She was in school described as, you know, a quiet kid, but a kid that, you know, would be happy to help, that would put a smile on your face, you know, just like a a nice, quiet kid. Like, nobody would have ever expected her to do something like this which makes the case even more kind of confounding. These guys met in person in 2012 and maintained a uh, quote-unquote intense online relationship for the next few years. Well, the next couple of years until 2014 when the crime took place. Let's look at evidence. So the forensic evidence was the recording of Carter's last phone call with Roy and their text history. She became the suspect, obviously because of the phone call. And looking at means, motive, and opportunity, Michelle did in fact have the means. She had a close relationship with Roy and she had a phone with service. We do not know what the motive is. That's like the most mysterious part of this. But Carter most definitely had the opportunity because she was in fact at the scene of the crime virtually. In the end, Michelle was convicted with involuntary manslaughter and sentenced as an adult, even though she was 17 at the time, to two and a half years in jail. However, she did get off early for good behavior and is now on a five-year period of parole. So now let's get into the interesting part, the arguments. So Michelle's defense team claimed that her First Amendment right protected what she had done in this situation, which was verbally encourage 
Conrad to go through with the suicide. That notion was rightfully immediately cut down by the judge who said that um, at the point where Michelle intervened and said to get back in the truck, Conrad had quote-unquote broken the chain of self-causation and therefore when Michelle said that at that point, which resulted in him getting back in the car, she was legally responsible. Or I shouldn't say totally responsible, she, but she was definitely like liable. And then also after, you know, he got back in the truck, she did not obviously call any police or law enforcement or family or anyone who could have intervened. So thinking about why this case is famous, why it's kind of a, a turning point case, a case that set a precedent. The issue in question here is, you know, how far does your First Amendment right to free speech go? Like, where does your right to free speech begin and end? At what point is your speech immediately endangering someone or violating their rights? Now I'm going to go into my personal opinion on the verdict, which I already have done to some extent, but I'm going to go further into it after I give a little um, more kind of context and perspective that might help support my point. It is clear to me after diving a little deeper into the context of the relationship, the nature of the relationship, the months and years before the incident happened, and in conversation with other people with uh, varying degrees of knowledge of this case. Again, it's clear to me that um, there were other factors that may explain sort of why Michelle did what she did or might help in speculating why. Essentially, I'm going to be defending Michelle's side real quick. So, prior to the incident in the months and years that they were in contact, Michelle had consistently been encouraging toward Roy to, um, to get help for his issues. She had been trying to dissuade him from acting on his uh, suicidal thoughts and urges. So she wasn't just always on the go kill yourself train. Like there was a switch that happened there. Now, obviously, um, you know, I only got to see just a few like small samples of their conversations, but even from that, it was pretty obvious that this was a toxic relationship in which Michelle was being exploited by Conrad for, you know, just endless emotional support. And he was emotionally manipulating her, saying things like, the only way I would hate you is if you told anyone about these things that I'm telling you, these things being his suicidal thoughts. And, um... So yeah, that's another thing to take into consideration is that this was not a healthy relationship and Conrad was, I don't doubt that he was mentally ill. I don't doubt that he was depressed. I don't doubt that he was suicidal, but he was not a very good 
person to her. He kind of exploited her in some ways, and I don't want to say that he played up his issues, but um, it just doesn't sit right with me the way that he talked about them with her. Another factor to take into account is that Michelle also had a very extensive history of mental health issues. She had been struggling, you know, just as much as he had been, if not more, we don't know. So, um, we also have to take into consideration that her mindset is not a completely healthy, um, stable, helpful beneficial one at this time so that may have factored into her decision to switch camps as well as the emotional abuse and manipulation she may have felt trapped in that relationship and uh exploited and a part of her may have believed that it would be better for him to be dead that it would be better a part of her may have genuinely believed that. I say all this to make the point that I have a lot of sympathy for Michelle. And uh, I'm not trying to demonize her in any way, and I don't think she should be demonized. However, I definitely am completely against the idea that her First Amendment right protected what she did. And don't get me wrong, like, no disrespect to the dad or anything, but like, just from what I saw, wasn't a big fan of Conrad. So I say all this to highlight the fact that, you know, even though I'm more sympathetic toward her and I didn't really care for him, I still don't believe that her actions were justified. I still believe that he was, in the end, the victim of this situation, this specific situation. I agree very much with the judge's verdict, with her idea that um, Conrad had broken the chain of self-causation when he stepped out of the truck, and taking into consideration his very unstable state of mind and Michelle's close relationship, her, you know, huge influence on him, her words may, you know, her words may very well have saved his life, and she chose to use them to do the opposite. Taking into consideration the circumstances, Michelle's words absolutely did endanger Conrad. And I don't know if I want to say they killed him because he, you know, had the choice, but he was impaired. And she definitely is at least partially liable and negligent for not calling someone who could have intervened and potentially saved his life. To further support the notion that free speech does not protect this kind of behavior, you might compare this situation to the laws against slander, libel, inciting a riot. The example that's used in the Constitution for an exception to the rule of free speech, which is not yelling fire in a crowded theater, there are most definitely ways that you can use language that are absolutely harmful and rightfully illegal. 
So no, free speech is not just this all-encompassing black and white thing. And that has always been clear because there have always been laws regarding what you can and can't say in what contexts and situations. And this is one of those deadly situations in which someone's words were a deciding factor of the outcome.